we're in this perpetual pursuit of something. And so one of my dear friends is a Buddhist. And while I was in treatment, she said, Cindy, you are continually striving. When do you practice non-striving? And I'm like, what? What do you mean? What is non-striving? Like, explain, because I didn't understand that concept at all. And what I realized was I never practiced non-striving. I never, prior to cancer, gifted myself time to just stop and be. I did not understand the concept of being. I knew how to do. I was this high achieving, independent, go-getting kind of chick that would make anything happen that I set my mind to. But tell me how to be. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials. Here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. This week, we have the remarkable Cindy Scott. This gorgeous Canadian-born woman has spent half of her life living down under. She has a son who has been her greatest life achievement. She's familiar with navigating challenges and managing change. She's the perfect person to empower and enable others to do the same. She's an author, speaker, coach, and founder, passionate about empowering women, giving them and helping them to support them to have a positive mindset, particularly through change or health expressions. And from her experience, that's cancer. She's also powerfully leading people around the mindset of resilience, leadership, emotional intelligence, and well-being. You're going to love this podcast. She is a multi-passionate entrepreneur utilizing her unique blend of talents and experience to empower women to see their potential, navigate life's major transitions, and take proactive steps to living a vibrant and beautiful, purposeful life. She's the founder and CEO of Evolving Woman Co., a platform for women who are experiencing change and uncertainty and seeking sanctuary to take a pause, to breathe, skill up, and flourish. She had a corporate life in the past as a human resources professional, leadership development consultant, facilitator, and an executive coach for some of Australia's foremost leaders and companies. And she is the creator of her signature women's leadership program, Strive Real Women, Real Power. She is the author of The Healing Journal, The Gift of Cancer, and the creator of Cancer Companion eCourse, which is a divine guidebook and online program born amidst her darkest hours undergoing treatment for breast cancer and her way of paying it forward and helping women navigate the emotional upheaval of this cancer journey. She now travels the world as its opening, speaking virtually as well on, the, on many days, writing and inspiring women around feminine leadership, resilience, empowerment, entrepreneurship, emotional intelligence, mindset, and well-being. You are going to love this week's podcast, and particularly even if you haven't been touched by cancer, understanding that whatever uh, adversity or challenge or health expression you're going through, the same wisdom applies. 
I cannot wait to hear your thoughts and feedback from this remarkable soul. And please make sure you go to the show notes to follow all her incredible work and to find all the links to not only her book, but also the programs and things that she offers. Cannot wait to hear your feedback. You're very welcome to go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast or my Instagram page, Kim Morrison 28 or my Facebook page, Kim Morrison Training. And I just want to thank you for being a part of this incredible podcast and allowing me to bring to you such beautiful souls each and every week. I also want to pay homage and give thanks to 28 Essentials for it is the company that backs and supports the ability for me to have this platform. Enjoy your day, take care and be kind. As you can hear, delighted, absolutely excited to bring to you a very special woman this week, gorgeous Cindy Scott. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it is a delight to have you on the show, and I'm always intrigued by people's stories, their backgrounds, how they came to doing what they're doing, and who they really are, not just on the superficial surface website level, but at the depths of their whole heart and soul. So would you mind just giving this beautiful listener a little bit more about you, your story, and what led you to doing and being where you are today? Sure. Thank you for the opportunity to have a real conversation because I too, like you, I'm, I'm much more interested in the true authentic person behind you know, the shiny website. So um, let's have a real conversation today. Um, I'm Canadian uh, by birth. I've lived in Australia half my life, so I call myself a quasi-Aussie. Um, I had a background in HR management, um, executive coaching, corporate training for um, over a decade, and then my life was halted with a second diagnosis of breast cancer. This was at the beginning of 2020. So I was six weeks out from getting married to my second husband, um, and COVID was taking... Um, front stage of the world and everyone was told go back to your home country stay home stay safe so we had to cancel our epic three-day wedding celebration in order for us to um, be ready for surgery and for chemotherapy um, and also just to stay safe from COVID so you cast your mind back to sort of February 2020 and no one really understood what COVID was about and how you're going to catch it. It was kind of like this silent war, wasn't it? Really like this virus that was taking the world by storm. So, yeah, it was a pretty um, uh, choppy start to 2020 when I thought that 2020 was going to be my year and um, I was so excited for it and thought it was my time and I was going to have this amazing um, experience getting married and my business was going to fly. And, you know, I was really set for a great year ahead, but obviously somebody upstairs had something very different in mind. And as you reflect on that and think back to it, and most of us thought we had our arms and legs cut off by being told to stay at home, or we were told we couldn't go out or we had to put masks on. And there was just all these new mandates and laws. And you're looking and listening to everybody whinging and complaining about that. Yet you were going through a far bigger, more personal battle. How did that make you feel watching people's reactions to all of this? 
Well, probably to be honest, I was consumed with my own muck, you know, like being told that you've got an aggressive cancer growing in your breast and lymph system and you're needing to be in, in surgery straight away. And, oh, by the way, we think you should cancel your wedding because um, we need to get you started on chemo straight away. So I was in a state of shock and panic at that point. But secretly, I was actually kind of grateful that COVID and the isolation was happening simultaneously. It was in parallel with what I was going through. So in a way, the whole world was stopped. So I didn't feel like I was missing out on parties or dinners or travel or anything because no one was doing anything. So in a way, I felt like the universe was supporting me to stay still and to not feel that I was missing out. So it was great. For me, I was quite happy about it. Yeah, I must admit there was something quite beautiful if we can look at the gifts of all of this, including maybe serious illnesses and disease. The gifts sometimes make us very much more inwardly focused and maybe a little bit more self-reflective and aware of what it is that we do or don't want in our life. Did cancer do that for you as well? Did you get really crystal clear on what this was about for you, what to do next, or was it just moment by moment, breath by breath? I think um, spot on. I think, I mean, any uh, life-threatening diagnosis is going to force you to go inward and to start asking those deeper questions about who am I? Am I living my best life? Is this Am I living my truth? Is this the life that I want to be leading? But I think in many ways from what my experience of COVID has been as well is that happened on a scale for everyone on mass as well. So I was going through my own personal journey um, with cancer, but I think in many ways COVID paralleled that for a lot of people that found themselves in isolation, um, really uh, no distraction. I, I think COVID really grounded people and kept them from the distractions of life, like planning the next holiday or the next exciting catch up with friends. And so you were really left to sit with your own thoughts in your and yourself and potentially the people around you that you may or may not like to be around, um, whether you like it or not, you really were forced to sit in the uncomfortable. Um, and so for me, cancer was that, but COVID has been that as well. So was a bit of a double whammy um, for me in terms of feeling like this was all happening in parallel. Just curious for all of us in the sense that the world has changed in the last two years no matter what, but you set out that year to marry a beautiful man. You talked about your business. Can you just tell us how this whole thing impacted you, your love, and your business? I would say, so, you know, starting out 2020, I had all these aspirations. I had my vision board on the wall. I was so determined to have the most incredible 2020. But in a way, like, yes, I had a pretty challenging, horrific journey going through chemo and the dark days that ensued with that. But the wash up on the other side was I think that I've been far more elevated and grown as a result of my cancer journey than the year that I had in mind. So in a way, that's the bittersweet part of the whole thing was that the silver lining is that I think I'm in a far better place and I'm, I've grown exponentially as a result of my cancer journey that I could never have achieved that on my own, you know, setting out to um, have the year that I had planned. 
life sometimes has mysterious things in plan that are complete right angles to where we thought the trajectory was heading. How is your business today and has this illness created an opportunity of not only of healing and thriving, but has it altered the course of your actual business? It's totally changed the direction of my business. So pre-cancer, I was an executive coach, corporate trainer. I had a, a human resource management background. But truth be told, I was starting to feel a little bit um, stale with that. I was ready for a change. And so it was quite convenient. Cancer showed up and I thought, well, I'm just going to stop working for a little while because I needed to, to get treatment. And then I did a ton of soul searching through my treatment journey and I began journaling, which was probably one of my saving graces to really try and make sense of what was going on, to try and explore, well, who am I? Like, who am I really? Like, how do I want to live my best life? Because I thought that I really was in many ways living a fabulous life. We had moved to the Sunshine Coast. I think this is paradise. I so love it here. I was very fit and was going to personal training, going to the gym several times a week. I was um, in my best form. Like I was slim, a good weight. I was eating healthfully, enjoying lots of sunshine, had beautiful friends around us, getting married. I mean, really, it, it was idyllic at that time. So when cancer showed up, I'm like, what do you mean? Like this can't possibly be happening to me. So I began journaling to try and make sense of it. I got some therapy as well because I, I desperately needed it. And that was um, such a godsend. And I would highly recommend anyone going through um, tough times in their life to reach out. I, I don't think it's a sign of weakness. I think it's a sign of strength to reach out and seek support when you really feel that you need it most. Um, journaling also though is a very powerful way to be with your own thoughts and emotions and just allow um, that that full expression without judgment um, or any shame around what you're feeling so for me journaling was very powerful particularly in those darkest days it was the dark night of the soul for me for sure absolutely had many days and weeks in that space there's something about just letting the pen flow as well without any agenda, without any thought of anyone else reading it, without anyone ever judging it or whatever, and just allowing yourself to be in that beautiful space to just get those thoughts out of your head. Yeah. I've got a, a big question for you. It's, it's a tricky one because I don't ever want to underestimate, you know, people. It's only because you said before that cancer showed up in the way that it did. Do you think we cause cancer or we attract cancer or it's us that finds cancer or does cancer come into some of our worlds to teach us or is it a combination of both? <laughs> it's a million-dollar question, Kim. <laughs> um, my personal take on it is I believe cancer shows up when you need a realignment. And so when you're not living your truth, when you're – um, you know, you, you may have repressed emotion, you may have unresolved stuff in your life. Um, maybe you're living in relationships that don't bring out the best in you or that quietly make you angry or resentful. And when you hold on to stuff, I think that our body carries a lot. And I think our body actually communicates with us all the time about, are we in alignment? Are we living our truth? Or are we off course? And I think you'll get a whisper and then a tap 
and then a slap. And, uh, you know, I hate to say this, but for me, cancer was the, the soccer punch to the guts. Like I had overridden the messages. I hadn't been listening. You know, I was getting the aches and pains in my body and I was getting headaches and I wasn't sleeping well and I had gut issues and, you know, all the different things going on. I was tired, really, really tired. And so when cancer showed up, I was working with this body worker for a number of months prior to my diagnosis. And she said, oh, Cindy, um, your soul will be getting something that it needs from this. And I immediately went, I'm going to get a rest. I've actually manifested the perfect opportunity to down tools and actually take a break. That is frightening Mm. that we actually have to get ourselves to that level to take a break. What is it? Is it women thing? Is it a man thing? Is it a human thing? Why is there such a stigma around us resting, taking care of ourselves, not feeling guilty for selfishly looking after ourselves? What is the stigma? That's a very good question. I think we're socially conditioned that we need to be productive, achieving, striving, purposeful in order for us to feel worthy. And I think it's a women's thing and a men's thing. I see it in my husband as well and other male friends that I have. I feel like... We're, we're almost conditioned to think that we're not enough as we are and that we need to be so much more. We need to keep learning. We need more education. We need a better job. We need a better job title. We need more income. We need a better lifestyle. And so we're in this perpetual pursuit of something. And so one of my dear friends is a Buddhist. And while I was in treatment, she said, Cindy, you are continually striving when do you practice non-striving? And I'm like, what? What do you mean? What is non-striving? Like, explain, because I didn't understand that concept at all. And what I realized was I never practice non-striving. I never, prior to cancer, gifted myself time to just stop and be. I did not understand the concept of being. I knew how to do. I was this high achieving, independent, go-getting kind of chick that would make anything happen that I set my mind to. But tell me how to be. And I went in search of, and this is quite embarrassing for me, but I went in search of how do you do being? Show me the steps. Where's the practical guide on how to be? I I didn't get it. And it took me many, many months to even really land with the concept of being and to sit still and to be okay with sitting still. I, I think I've spent my whole life trying to run from the present moment, you know, like distract me, take me somewhere else. I, I was pleasure seeking in a whole range of ways, whether that was wine or boys or travel or experiences, you know, it was always, I wanted to be somewhere else, but here. Kind of sad, isn't it? So many of us are running away from something as opposed to running or working in the now for building something that we want to work towards. And I'm just interested to know from your perspective then who you are today and the Cindy that you are showing up as today, what would your advice be to a woman like you now? Mm that you are already enough as you are. You don't need to do anything, be anything, have anything to achieve, to be successful, 
um, to prove you are already enough. And one of the things that I did that I absolutely loved was a meditation um, meeting your future self 20 years from now. I've actually um, done a version of this on my own website, so people are welcome to access that free resource. But to go into an opportunity of meeting your future self and gleaning the wisdom of what she has to say to you, it kind of just smacked me on the forehead and I went, I'm already enough. I have what I need. I've already learned enough. I don't need to do another course. I don't need to pursue anything else. I already am enough as I am. And I would say that to every woman who finds themselves in this perpetual pursuit of something because there's nothing at the end. You never feel like you've got enough. You already are. How would you compare that then to someone who just has a real thirst or desire for knowledge and learning and growing and just devouring as much as they can out of life? How would you differentiate the person that's kind of killing themselves to do that as opposed to the person who's fueling themselves to do that? Mm. Look, I, I would identify with that too. I love learning. I am so inspired by growth. But I think the question to ask yourself is, what's the intention behind that learning? Is it to prove something? Is it to, to move towards something? Or is it purely for the joy of learning? And so when we get clear on the intention behind something, I think that's what matters most. Agreed. And I love that distinction because for so many of us, we get trapped into thinking we need more, as you said, as opposed to just embracing and devouring the joy of learning. Mm-hmm. So what would you say have been the biggest things you've learned outside of what you've already discussed? Is there something else? Like, is there something spiritual? Is there something more profound? Is there something very deep through the journey that you've been through these last two years? How long have you got? <laughs> Um, Look, there's been so many learnings for me and I I write about a lot of these in my book called The Healing Journal. Um, I think the most, maybe two most noteworthy though is having moments of stillness uh, and getting really quiet within myself. This was probably the first opportunity in my whole life where I actually actively chose to sit in silence and practice meditation and journaling and to learn to get acquainted with myself and to like myself because I think I always thought I needed to have somebody else in my life or to keep myself busy so I didn't have to acquaint myself with myself. So I found a new way of relating to myself. I love just being in my own company now. And for this extroverted girl, I actually enjoy a lot more um, time by myself um, away from people. And I I don't know whether it's a cancer thing or just a COVID thing or a a Cindy thing, but I I really do enjoy a lot more time away from people now. I love people still, um, but I need a lot more time to recharge. So maybe I'm tending towards the introverted spectrum. But the other thing, Kim, um, I learned was that before cancer, I was really crap at self-care. Absolutely terrible. I felt so much guilt around taking any time for myself. I thought, no, I would choose work over that or I would choose to be of service to somebody else before I would take care of myself. Um, And your beautiful book, um, Like Chocolate for Women, showed up on my path in the midst of treatment. And I devoured that book from cover to cover. And I thought... What if self-care is actually the most amazing way for us to practice self-love? 
And to give ourselves those moments of like, for me, I love massage. There's nothing that makes me relax more. I now love doing floats in a float tank. That is just beautiful where you've got no distraction. You have nowhere to be or do. You could just sit there, lay there for an hour. I just love that. But any opportunity to get quieter, to get stiller, um, to practice self-care, that has become a much greater um, priority in my life. I'm so pleased to hear that. Do you think that was the missing thing before this? Is that really the, the biggest thing? Was there anything from your past? You were talking before a little bit about letting things go, trying to sort of not hold on to things or hold on to resentments. Is it a combination or is self-care the pathway to clear all of those things as well? Well, I think very much at the core of it's probably self-love would be the way you would label it. Self-care is a practice that sits within that. But I think having healthy relationships, um, managing your stress, um, honouring your body, your temple with good food and with movement. I mean, to me, there's there's a range of different ways that we support and nurture ourselves. And that all comes under the banner of self-love. I never gave it priority before that. It was easier for me to, to book my car in for a service than it was for me to even go to a doctor's appointment for myself. And I, I think that's just so ludicrous how I was so backward in my prioritizing of these things. But that was my subconscious thinking around it at that time. So, yeah, practicing self-care and honoring myself and loving myself has been, I would say, the greatest learning and on that level, on that note, what is your definition then of self-love? Self-love for me is self-acceptance. It's actually loving and appreciating myself for warts and all the way that I am. You know, and even the other day I had a challenging conversation with my husband and he said, oh, you're so, you know, you're so such and such. And I said, yes, I am. I am that and more. And guess what? I love that about myself. And it may not be a quality that everybody in the world loves, but I love that about me. And I'm going to continue to unapologetically be that. That's me. So I think it's really having um, having awareness of who you are and loving yourself for all the bits, the good, bad, and ugly. <laughs> and appreciating we all have all those parts of us, isn't <laughs> <Exactly>. it? <laughs> so talk to us a little bit now then about the journey that you went through with chemo and the support of beautiful food and nutrition and reading and journaling and having amazing mentors and teachers turn up at just the right time. You obviously got through it and you've obviously done incredibly well and it sounds like you got married. So talk to us a little bit about how you, was that something to hold on to to get through it? What was that like for you? Well, what ended up happening with regard to our wedding, um, we had a date set with a celebrant and we thought, let's let's just go ahead with that. So we had a COVID approved, you know, wedding with two witnesses and the celebrant. And so we did proceed with that. And I said to Chris, well, how about we wait and we'll just wait and see what's happening with this COVID and hold off. And he said, no, I don't think we should wait. Let's just go ahead and do that. So we did do that. And I said to him, I said, you do realize I've just been diagnosed with cancer. This is your opportunity to run, mate. Like, you know, you don't need to hang around. And he's like, no way. I'm, I'm here through thick and thin. And I thought, wow, this is testament to the type of man that he is, that he's going to see me through a hellish time and he's walking in, you know, eyes wide open. So I thought, wow, okay, let's do it. So we got married. Um, 
I had surgery straight away. That was before we got married. And then um, we got married and then I started chemo. So it all happened very quickly. My hair fell out very quickly after that. So I looked like a cancer patient. And that was probably one of the most challenging aspects of the whole journey was looking in the mirror and going, man, I look like a cancer patient. No eyelashes, no eyebrows, and I'm bald. Um, I didn't mind so much about being bald. Um, most people tell me I have a pretty good head for being bald, but no, no eyelashes and eyebrows was challenging. Um, and I think um, very much did the whole change curve, you know, the shock, denial, anger, frustration, moved into the depths of darkness and then out the other side of, okay, maybe there is a life for me on the other side of cancer and starting to reintegrate back into living again. Um, I, uh, I think I'm a strong-willed person anyway. I have that survivor sort of gene in me. Um, both my parents are very much that way. So there was always a really strong determination and conviction that I'm going to get through this. I'm going to be okay. I will use my story as an inspiration for others. Um, so, yeah, I think it was an incredible journey where I was blessed to have the opportunity to stop working. Chris supported me through that to take time out to get the treatment that I needed. Um, and in those days, I began journaling. A girlfriend said to me, look, Cindy, you're such a great writer. Why don't you write a book? And I said, no, the world does not need another cancer story. But um, on the back of a decade of coaching, I thought, well, what if I make this more of a practical workbook, a guidebook for women journeying with cancer and bring some of my coaching tools and my mindfulness practices in? And so that book was born. As soon as that idea came to me, it was like, whoosh, it came through me and the book just had to come into the world. Um, it's still my greatest work. Um, it's been out on the shelves now for about 10 months. I absolutely love the book. I'm still so proud of it. I love getting feedback from people that have bought the book to say there's nothing like this book around. It's like, it's like a big hug when you need it the most. Yeah. Do we get it? <laughs> well, it's in a number of stores. It's online. Um, you can buy it direct so you can get a, a signed copy from myself at healingjournal.co. Um, but you can find it on Amazon. You can find it on Angus and Robertson. Um, but this is what the book looks like, Healing Journal, The Gift of Cancer. Um, but healingjournal.co will get it direct from me. So I wrap them up individually myself and I sign each copy. So that would be the best place to find it. There's something very special about a book and when someone buys one, and I don't know about you, but I do a happy dance every time someone tells me they've heard it or read my book or someone tells me that they've purchased it or can I sign it for someone else or I've got dog tail ears all over it because I've got so many places marked and <laughs> there is nothing more beautiful. And I was told many years ago, every time you hand one or put one in a package in the Eastern philosophy is to hand it with two hands so that you can receive the beautiful gratitude back. Is that something you have been practicing and starting to master more, which is the receiving of love and care, pride, joy, satisfaction? Are you aware of that side of you now and the gifts you're bestowing on others? I probably haven't given that enough attention, Kim, to be honest. I do send each book out with love and I sign them um, and wrap them up beautifully and whatnot. But the receiving of love, I mean, I still i am so touched every time I get a message, you know, through socials or on email to say, hey, can you come speak at this event? Or I just want to say that this book has really touched my life and changed my thinking. So 
it's nice to know that you can have ripples and that people are are reading your story and you're having an impact without you having to even be in the room. And I know you've got five books out, so that you know must be you know many times over for you. But to know that you're having an impact, you know, you write the book once, but that book lives on beyond your life. So it's amazing. I, I think it's such a beautiful opportunity to be able to share in that way. I also think it's incredibly healing and incredibly uh, encouraging for your own self to show your own strength, your own learnings, your own powers that you probably didn't even realize you had as you were going through the depths of what it was. Anyone that's been through a journey like yours, not everybody writes the book or not everybody gets the inspiration or dare I say the gift of life to be able to do that. What would be your advice to someone who maybe has never thought of writing a book? You said before it wasn't just about, you know, for anybody and everybody. It was for the person who was looking for support through their own journey. How would you describe that to someone else? It may not be cancer, but maybe they're going through a relationship breakup, a loss or anything. Are you mm-hmm. recommending we all write a book around that sort of thing? I think I think you've got to follow your own joy and your own inspiration. But what I will say about this book, um, for me in writing it, not only was it powerful to express myself in words, but the whole process of producing the book. So I then worked with an editor and we went painstakingly through each chapter and she had me read it out loud to her. And then we would hash up the words and then... Um, the book came out and then my husband hadn't read any of it. He, he's not a big reader, but he goes, well, would you read the book to me? Um, oh, so before that, even his mother, who I get on with very well, my mother-in-law, she said, well, would you mind if I second edited the book? And so I had that opportunity of moving through the book again with her. And then Chris said, well, would you mind reading the book to me? And so I read the book out loud to him and that was so powerful. There were two parts in the book, particularly where I actually um, choked up and cried and I thought, wow, like the whole process of moving through the book and editing it twice and then reading it out loud, there was so much healing in that for me. So for any person going through any adversity that feels they want even more opportunity to heal, writing a book just for that purpose is so powerful. But then to know that that book lives on and can help transform other people's lives is so incredibly amazing. How has the book and your life now changed? What are you doing? If Are you not doing HR anymore? You're doing a whole lot around empowering women and things like that. Can you tell us a little bit about the trajectory you've gone on since your healing started? Yeah, I think um, one of the questions that I've continued to ask myself through the whole journey is, who the heck am I and what am I on this planet to do? Like why has cancer shown up twice for me and what what am I to do with that? One of the other things I should share is um, after I was diagnosed for the second time, um, my family encouraged me to go and get um, gene genetic testing because they had already done that bracket testing for them. And I said, look, I don't want to know about it. I don't want to test it myself. I didn't want it in my psyche that I may potentially carry the the gene mutation. So I didn't do it until I told my family that I was um, diagnosed for the second time. And my sister just went, blah, 
you have to go. You, you know, this is what's going on in our family and I've been dying to tell you. And, you know, so she finally told me, you know, the state, mum's got BRCA1, dad's got BRCA2. She, she was negative, but another sister's positive. And so I went and had genetic testing and discovered that I have both BRCA1 and BRCA2. So I'm some sort of genetic freak that won the lottery with mum and dad's um, gene mutations. And it's something like less than 0.4% of the globe's population has both. So in many ways, that was even more confronting than the diagnosis itself. I'm like, what does this mean for me? And there's no research because there's so few people that actually have both both gene mutations. So um, that was pretty frightening. Um, but the whole the whole journey has set me on a totally different trajectory of really questioning what is my purpose here on this planet? What change am I here to affect? And I know I'm, I'm a coach at heart. I've always wanted to help people to be their potential, um, to get out of their own way, to blast out limiting beliefs and really live the life that they love to live. But I think cancer's taught me that if I were to distill that down even more, it's to really help people navigate the bumpy bits in life. Change is inevitable. We are all going to go through dark bits, whether it's a health expression, whether it's a divorce, whether it's an accident of some some form or grief or loss. I mean, there's so many ways that we as human beings suffer. And I think helping people navigate through those choppy bits of life are what I'm here to help people navigate through with greater ease and grace. And so my book, The Healing Journal, is one way that I help people to do that. I've also recently started a podcast called Rethinking Cancer, which is, I've got to say, amazing already. The, The people around the globe that I've been interviewing this has been such a part of my own healing process as well to have these conversations and have my journey reflected back at me as well in these conversations. And I, and I just hope and pray that these conversations help transform people's thinking, their perspective, um, you know, their journeys with cancer as well. So it's been an honor thus far to be having these interviews um, on these podcasts. I just love it. Incredible, right? I, I want to go back a little bit. You know, people that are interested in personal development, understanding the mind, really getting clarity on purpose, mission, what they are, how to align their values, how to get rid of those limiting emotions, beliefs, and understanding that we're all wired differently but the same. We've all got stories. We've all got challenge. You're someone who was on that pathway for a very long time and yet you still got threatened with this illness. Is that because of just the BRCA gene, do you think? Or is it because you were so good at telling everyone else what to do, you weren't listening to yourself? Where do you think that went? Just on the genetic thing, um, Dr. Bruce Lipton has done incredible work um, in epigenetics and studying genes and whether they affect our reality and our health. And he actually has proven that they're not actually connected at all. So I really let go of that belief that just because I have both gene mutations, that that means that I'm going to get cancer. They're not actually directly linked. So that was so freeing for me to discover. Um, Sorry, what was the other question? I've already forgotten. 
Yeah, I just love the fact that just I want to touch on that too because so many people, I love the way Cindy O'Meara talks about this. We can have the gene. In other words, we can have the loaded gun, but depending on our abilities, our lifestyle, our stress levels, our functionality and the way we approach the world mentally, emotionally, physically and spiritually will determine whether or not that trigger gets pulled. So I'm really glad you brought that up. The other part of the question was you knew all this stuff as a coach. You were gifting the information to people and you were helping everyone get through what they were determining as their limiting behaviors or beliefs or whatever. Yet was it more a reflection that you weren't living and walking that talk or was it just you were doing it part-time? I'm just interested how you didn't have the awareness to actually take care of yourself. Yeah, very good question, Kim. I I would say there was still um, very much some mask wearing going on, you know, sort of spruiking what I thought was the way others should be, but maybe not necessarily living in alignment with that. Um, I have been quite stoic in my life. I think a lot of people would say, oh, you've got such a tough exterior, so strong. But on the inside, I feel like a marshmallow a lot of the time. Like I am soft, I'm emotive um and i don't always express that so i think the outside didn't necessarily match the inside of what was going on for me and i think cancer has really given me that permission slip to be um a lot more in alignment with my truth yeah therefore i'm taking from you if only those of us that have a clean bill of health could hear your beautiful profound words is to really get in touch with that alignment of your true authentic self, believing in the power of self-care, looking after yourself, doing what needs to be done for you, prioritizing your own health and well-being. If you had the opportunity over, and I know it's been a gift to you and I know we're on the other side and this is just hypothetical, but if I was listening to this, not even thinking that it's on my sphere of possibility, yet it hits everybody and anybody at any time, what would you say to me? I would say, look, if you want to avoid a health expression, tune into your body. So that would be practice self-care. Be careful what you're putting in and on your body. You know, move away from chemicals, move away from toxic relationships, do work that you love that lights your soul up have spiritual connection with something greater than yourself. And if you're not a religious person, it might not be God, but it might be that you connect with nature or, you know, in some way that you connect with some some force greater than you. I think looking at all the different areas of your life and where you're in flow or in alignment and where you're not. And I, I know that we know this intuitively. If we actually just stop and listen, we know where we're in alignment and where we're out and our body will tell us anyway. It gives us clues as to how we're going. So I think just tuning in, looking at where are those little tweaks? Maybe they're little tweaks, maybe they're big tweaks that need to happen. You know, whether you're in a toxic relationship or you know that you're way overweight and you need to clean up your act when it comes to food and movement. Maybe it's that you consume too much alcohol and that depletes your energy. Um, looking at ways that you're out of balance and bringing yourself back into balance or harmony, I think is so critical. And that's what I would say to every man and woman on this planet. If you want to avoid a health expression, get into your own alignment, whatever that truth is for you. 
It's so powerful and I'm, I'm not sure if anyone heard it well enough, but I encourage you to rewind the last two minutes of this podcast right now and just really close your eyes and hear those words again. As you move forward now, helping to empower women and help people to evolve and help people to really live their best life, what is it that you would say that you do now then? Mm, good question. I um, This is a really interesting place where I'm at in my life at the moment because I've spent 51 years of my life striving, pursuing, achieving, and now I'm practicing the art of surrender. And even as I say that, I'm like, part of me goes, oh, really? But I'm actually waiting for opportunities to show up wherever I am meant to serve will show up, I believe. So opportunities come my way to speak, um, podcast interviews. I I know that I want to write another book, um, another book on how to navigate through change with greater ease. I think anyone going through any change, and I mean, we're constantly going through change as human beings in this human experience. Um, So I know there's another book, at least one more book in me, maybe two. Um, but I'm really choosing to surrender and allow what is meant for me to show up for me. So I want to catch you on that one because I can understand from where you're at why that's so important. But there is many times with so many self-help books and so many incredible authors and teachers and, you know, talk about things like the law of attraction or waiting for things to show up or looking for signs but I don't get the feeling that you're saying sit there and wait for it to come to you. I'm imagining you're saying actively pursue the art of surrendering. So it's two things. One is doing the things that bring you joy. So when you feel inspired to do something, to take action on that. So for me, that might be go to a cancer support group. So I'm actually around people that are in my sphere, or it might be to go to a women's networking event because I want to hear the guest speaker and I want to connect with other beautiful souls around me. So I'm not sitting at home as a hermit on the couch waiting for the phone to ring. I'm still living and I'm following my inspiration and joy. But I love, and I think this is the way we as women are wired, we are built for collaboration. We are built for co-creation and connection. And so when I'm in my flow doing those things, I know that magic happens because I resonate with other people. They love what I'm doing. They want to do something together. Um, And then you attract the right sorts of people that are in alignment, that have integrity, that are passionate about what you're passionate about, that tend to be more on the spiritual side for me. Um, So you attract the right sort of people. Mm. I'm just looking back on my notes here because you said three C's, COVID, cancer, and Cindy. (laughs) And then I've just heard more C's, co-create, connect, community, care, like there is, you could write a C book. Um, The big C is is quite interesting, particularly from a collaborative point of view as well. And and like you say, we love the co-creation in life. And what I'd love to hear your advice now then, even if we're a full-time employee or even if we're not entrepreneurs or don't have our own business or whatever, how would we reach into those depths of co-creation, connectivity, community and caring if it's not our own business? 
I think there's plenty of opportunities. So last night um, I went to the Volunteer of the Year Awards night and I was blown away by the amazing souls in our region here that volunteer their time in ways to give back, pay it forward, support people in need. It was so humbling, so emotional. Um, There are so many incredibly generous souls that are doing amazing things without worrying about being recognized or being paid for. So if you find yourself in a paid job and you might not love your job or know how to actually do things that spark joy, consider volunteer work or consider a side hustle or consider transitioning out of what you don't like and into something that you do like. What I find is most people usually know what they love to do. They're just not doing it yet. Um, So putting in some baby steps on moving towards doing more of what you love, maybe doing it part-time or doing a little bit of it on the side until you can manage to make that full transition. Oh, I just absolutely love that because my grandmother always said to me, because, you know, it's always about your purpose and and having some sense of belonging or the desire to love and be loved and all those wonderful human needs that we have. But grandma always said, if you're never sure about your purpose, if you don't know what it is that you want to do, then her words were serve serve others. So whether that's at the back of a room of a speaker that's speaking, whether that's serving your beautiful family meals, it's not about being slavery. I don't mean that becoming, uh, you know, the, the, the woman of the house that has to be the slave for everybody, but that real act of service. And I've never forgotten it because whenever I've been in doubt as to what to do or what to do next, I have volunteered so often to be at events because it's one of the most inspiring ways to feed your heart and soul and to fuel your desire or passion or ignite something in you. And how do you know if you're not doing anything, which is why I'm so grateful you mentioned it's not about sitting there waiting for things to come to you, but it's about actively participating in the art of surrendering and serving in order to allow those light bulbs, those bright, shiny objects to come forward with the active heart and uh, and desire to pursue that. And so who you are today, in your you know young fifties, you're a woman who's been through a hell of a lot from a health perspective. You have found love. You've got a beautiful man. You've got this gorgeous new business or the one that you've built to where it is. You've now got this book with the desire to write one or two more. What else is there for Cindy Scott? <laughs> Firstly, I just wanted to mention about the purpose thing. I have a different take on purpose now as well. So I've spent a lot of my life trying to seek my purpose. What's my purpose? What am I here to do? And a lot of the striving has been around that. But my new take on purpose is that every day, just showing up in your truth, in your authentic self is your purpose because that ripples on to other people. And so Everything you say or not say, don't say actually has an impact on other people. So to be the light, to be the inspiration, to be the positive um, encourager of others is enough of a purpose. You don't need to be doing anything special. Just be you to liberate others to be themselves. So that's my, my new level of purpose is just do me. Um, I don't know how to be anything else. I'm just going to just be who I am today. So what's next for me? Um, 
I, that's a very good question too. You're so full of good questions, aren't you? Um, for me, I'm really um, tuning into what brings me joy the most. Right now, I love promoting my book and getting that out there because I know it's changing lives. I love doing the podcast interviews because I love hearing people's stories and their insights and what they've gleaned from their cancer journey. That to me has been so healing to hear people's stories, but to know that they're going to change perspectives of of the listeners of the podcast as well. Um, I love speaking at events. Um, I am probably my my pipe dream right now, but I feel that it will be a reality is I want to start running wellness retreats, whether they're one day or whether they're weekend retreats, but bringing people together to teach them about wellness so they can avoid the health expressions or whether they've had cancer or some other health expression to bring their bodies back into balance. So looking at a holistic approach to that. So it's around nutrition and movement and mindset and relationships and emotional expression, um, stress management, sleep quality, being in surrounds that uplift and enjoy, um, bring joy. So I would love to bring more wellness, more health, more more healing to the planet in, in ways that I can do that. So, yes, watch this space. <laughs> well, let's find out where we can watch this space. Tell us how we can follow you um, and also be a part of your podcast. Can you give us all the links and just say that because some people listening to this are driving or running or walking right now and it'll just spur them on to do it when they get home. So the best place to find everything is on my main website, which is evolvingwomen.co. So the links for the um, podcast are on there. There's some free meditations to do to help um, reduce stress and bring more calm into your life. There's some other great free resources on there. I've got my gift range of healing products, teas, oils, crystals, etc. If you're looking for a gift to give someone and you don't want to buy another bottle of champagne or flowers or chocolates, which are, you know, things that don't necessarily support good health, um, I've got a beautiful range of healing products that are very clean um, and premium quality. Um, my book is on there as well. And yeah, you can find me on Instagram. That's probably my favorite place to hang out. So the handle for that is Evolving Women Co. I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. So there's lots of ways that you can find me, um, my blog posts and my interviews. Yeah. Thank you so much because I think for many people, even those of us that may not have cancer, probably know someone these days that does. Just as we come to the close, do you have any um, last words? Do you have any idea about the statistics of cancer or do you have any idea that you can just give us some and give us some hope from where we're going from here? Uh, Well, the stats tell us that one in two people will get cancer by the age of 85 in their life. To me, that is unacceptable. It's frightening. And I I just think it's incredibly insane that we have got to this point in life where one in two, 50% of us, so if it's not us, it's someone that we love that will get cancer. When we speak about breast cancer, Australia has the highest incidence of breast cancer in the world. Why? 
we have among the best lifestyle. We have we get paid more money than most countries in the world. We have great weather. We have great food. So what on earth is going on that one in seven women will get breast cancer? Something like 55 women a day in Australia will get breast cancer. So we have far too much cancer going on. And that is something that is a real bugbear for me. I really want to get to the bottom of why is this happening? Um, I don't want more treatments and better treatments. I want to get to the source cause of why is this showing up? Do you have any thoughts or insights as to what that might be? Well, I think it's probably a range of things. The the model that is swirling around in my head that um, will be part of these wellness retreats is there's nutrition, there's movement, there's mindset, there's um, stress management. I think there's also the whole Wi-Fi EMF um, thing that we need to start looking at and repressed emotions. So there's, there's a range of different things that I think play a part in us enjoying optimal health. And I think we need to look at all those different pieces of the pie. Well said. Can I ask, and also I'll add into that, you said it before, but the awareness of the chemicals that we're putting into into our body is massive. I think that's really powerful too. So as we come to the close, your final message to the Beautiful Self Love Podcast listener, this person is incredible. They... They live um, with an open heart looking for new beautiful stories to uplift and inspire so that they can live their best life. They've probably been through tough times themselves. They love to listen to women like you that give them some really good hope and inspiration to move forward. We have beautiful men that listen to this podcast. What would be your final message and then maybe your favourite quote at the moment? Um, I would say that self-care is our greatest medicine. So self-care is the best investment that you can make in you. And I think we need to let go of the guilt around that. We need to actually make self-care part of our regular routine. And I think if more of us did that, and of course, incorporating beautiful, clean products with that self-care from 28, especially because you've got lots of beautiful, amazing, clean products Um, I think the more that we practice self-care and help to down-regulate our nervous system, I think the world would be a much calmer, harmonious, healthier place. So self-care is a really key part of the puzzle that we need to make an investment in. It's the greatest medicine. I couldn't agree more. And that's why I've been doing this work for nearly three decades. I just Mm -hmm. really, really value it too. You do you have a favorite quote or anything at the moment off the top of your head that you absolutely love or you've read in the past that means a lot to you, or maybe you've put it in your book? Is there a quote that just comes to mind that you love that you could leave us with? Oh, I, I love quotes. I'm just thinking which one would be the most appropriate. Um uh, it's probably not too fancy, but I'm I'm all that's coming up for me right now is just do you. Mm-hmm. It's not fancy, but my gosh, is it <laughs> is it something that would probably solve half the world's problems if we could just do ourselves. Beautiful girl, thank you so much for being on the Self Love Podcast. It's been an absolute delight to host you and to interview you and hear your story. You are an inspiration. And thank you for using this health expression as an opportunity for personal growth, for change, 
to open your heart, mind, body, and soul to listening to yourself and then not keeping it to yourself, but sharing it with all of us. Thank you so, so much, gorgeous Cindy. Thank you very much for this opportunity, Kim. It's been a pleasure speaking to you today and um, I look forward to the next time. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family and head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.